All right. Usually listen to uh, rap music beforehand to also get started, but I don't need it tonight, man. I got Doobie Dad in the club. Hey guys, it's Doobie Brothers Podcast presented by the Brotherly Game. This is uh, July 16th and I am AJ with Luke. And this is episode number 25. 25 is being worn right now by El Sino. Um, there's only one other player who's worn the number 25, and that was Shannon Williams. And right now, uh, can't find anything about him playing anymore, so uh, no club at the moment. So this will be named after um, El Sino. So the G code. The G code. Also tonight, special, special uh, thing, which is good because... I got nothing exciting to say about the last Union game, but tonight's special thing is we have a special guest tonight. Um, there wouldn't be Doopy Brothers without this man. He is the original Doopy Dad. So I'm gonna let uh, let's say let's say hi to. Oh, do we have to call him Dad? Dad. All right. <laughs> hey, Dad. Hey, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Classic Dad. Classic Dad. So um, I think you should call him Shanon. I don't think it's. Shannon. It's Shannon Williams. Right? Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Already contributing um, to our mispronunciations. <laughs> so tonight, uh, what we're going to do, we're going to go over the Real Salt Lake beatdown in a bad way. Um, we're going to kind of change up the episode a little bit. We're going to have a big discussion on VAR because that came into play with the Real Salt Lake game. Uh, we're going to do a union best player, union worst player from the game. Then after the break, we're going to do a preview of the Chicago game this weekend. Um, and Doopy Dad will tell us about his time up in Philly before the Gold Cup. We'll do a little more on the Women's World Cup uh, and talk about a little women's soccer. And maybe do a little uh, revisionist union history. Talking about players we wish he still had who are playing right now. So a lot on the docket. And so... Let's start with how you guys watched the RSL game because there were some varying uh, situations. Yeah, so my my watching experience, I was on vacation, and um, yeah, it was it was a Saturday night, and ten o'clock game, ten o'clock game, late, and so I actually was out at a bar watching on my phone. I had it propped up on the bar watching, <laughs> at a bar watching from your phone. That's pretty good. Yeah, I, I yeah, we were having a dad's night out, so with. Uh, a couple guys and yeah so i and then then uh got home and was watching on my phone then in in bed once the wooten goal was called off i turned it off and if i was i was yeah at that point i was just angry tweeting so you didn't miss much i i I don't even think i read through your tweets (laughs) so and then great so you got to watch the game yeah uh but there's also another situation. How, Dad, how did you watch the game? Oh, I, I, well, first of all, thanks for inviting me to your podcast. Of it's, course. It's a highlight of my day. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, I, I wanted to watch the Union game on Saturday night. Um, went to ESPN Plus, which I normally watch the game on, and they said it was blacked out in my area. But they, I did remember that the PhiladelphiaUnion.com said that they were going to publish or broadcast the game through their website. And I w- clicked on the link on the website, and they said, uh, we're 
you're out of the area. You're, we're, we're geo-tracking, and your location is out of the area. you got to go to ESPN+. Plus. So I was not able to watch the game in any way, shape, or form, which I'm retrospect glad I did not. Yeah. They, they saved you some time. That sucks. Yeah, that's, it was weird. Yeah. I, I mean, I live fairly far from Philadelphia, right. about 55 miles. but We grew up there. We know. You, you remember? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> should come visit sometime. <laughs> sure. Uh, but uh, should have been able to watch it one way or another and wasn't able to. So they have to fix that. Yeah. Yeah, I know they've been talking about they're trying to uh, work through, work out a, a deal to get a streaming platform uh, for those in-market kind of situations, but hopefully not with Flow. Hopefully not with Flow. Flo's but anyone else, hopefully awful. that works out, and hopefully the next time this situation comes up, it's all uh, ironed out. So but as far as watching the game, I won because I was at a bar and got drunk. That's true. I wasn't at a bar, but I kind of got drunk. Hey. I was at home, and nope. I did watch the game on the TV like a person. And Dad got to sleep. Yeah. I went to bed at 10. Nice. <laughs> the game started at 10. <laughs> it's perfect. Um, All right. So for better or worse, we're going to Luke. Luke um, sat at home and he took notes on this game. So yeah. this first game I took notes in. So maybe I should just never take notes again. So we're going to start the clock now. Luke's going to walk us through his notes from <laughs> the RSL game. And we'll reply if need be. But let's all just sit back and enjoy Luke's notes. It's going to be great. Um, yeah. So honestly, to start the game... Well, it wasn't great. We didn't have any possession for, like, I don't know, 40 minutes, it felt like. It was pretty bad. But we didn't look like, at first, we, our defensive shape was pretty fine. Russell wasn't doing too much to, like, really shake us. Everything was pretty, like, I don't know, nothing was really happening. But then uh, the first goal was in 24th minute. Um, but it was just uh, a long ball from half field at Wolf. And I don't know who who who... who gave that ball but there's no pressure on the, on that pass and then Krylock was Fabinho's man he pointed to, to Trusty didn't, didn't even try to track him back and then he just and Trusty just he did his best to, to recover but didn't it was it was too good a ball too good of a finish to really recover from which was frustrating um and then we finally got position on the 40th minute we kind of grew back in the game at the end of the half but uh you know nothing really was coming out of it um the entire first half, it felt like Fabinho was bombing up the field. And they just felt like a pretty classic Fabinho uh, performance in, in that regard. But um, and the second half, I don't really get too much in the second half. It was, it was pretty rough. Uh, there was uh, a second goal off of a really weird um, turnover with Fafa and Harris just running into each other when the ball on, right in front of their box and gave it away. And uh, a good shot from Cervenio. And then from there... It, and he actually had the first goal. Yeah. Oh, okay. sorry. You're right. Yeah, you're right, said Krylak. Right. I, I, I just... Yeah. Just, right. yeah right. That guy ran all over us. Yeah. I was saying Krylak because that handball that didn't get called for uh, the second yellow. But... um. And then the third goal... Oh, then the third goal was the, the, the Ray Gaddis. Just gift. He... I don't know what he... He got the ball in the middle of, the, of his box, pointed to, to Blake... Didn't do anything else with it, and then just gave the ball away to to Savino, and then uh, I was reason I could finish that one. Uh, and it was just it was just a rough night, and it, it, it never looked like we were going to really come back from this. We did have the Wooten um, goal that got called back uh, when it was two so two zero, but um, it got called back by VAR. Uh, and we'll, we'll we'll get into VAR in a bit, but um, 
it, it was a right call, but it just felt like it wasn't uh, clear and obvious, as uh, Brian Dunson said, that uh, to, to, to re- reverse that one. But we, we just didn't get that, that call, and that really kind of iced the night for us. So, uh, yeah, not in our worst performance ever for this, this year, right? Yeah, and this comes right after Jim Curtin signs a two-year extension. Right. So not great. It's also bad timing as far as every year we kind of come into the summer and hit a summer slump. Usually we're not doing as well the first half of the year, but it's also it just kind of feels like a lot of things happening right now that are like, that's so union. Yeah. Like, I- yeah, and, and in this game, like we granted, we still didn't have Montero on the field. Our best best player wasn't on the field. Um, Osinio still hurt. who's our our best uh, sub option and and game changer. And uh, Kai Wagner came out with like I don't. It was a, a quad or hamstring injury that happened. I guess right before the game started, so they had to put in Fabinho. And, and Matt Real apparently was was not there. I guess because he was playing with Steel the week the game before. So just as as a, as a tough situation and an away game at a, a Western Conference team is. Not the worst. Yes, Dad. Uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> uh-huh. I got a question for you yeah. since I didn't watch the game. Uh-huh. You said that it started off poor. Yeah. Uh, what, what, what was your sense as when the game started? Like, did you have any ch- thought that they were going to be in the game? Or I mean, or- like, I always think or this year, of course, I always think we're going to be in the game. It's not like RSL is a... But what was the turning Our point? Team. That, that I mean, it was the first, the first goal because that's when um, we fir- we really got stretched. Like before then, I didn't really feel too threatened right. by RSL's attack. I mean, they just they had possession, they didn't really do much with it. We were actually kind of organized to start the game, but yeah, after that, it, and and it was it was a good quote from uh, Jim Curran at halftime uh, that it's like we were surprised by the pressure. And he and he was kind of incredulous in saying that, but and and it just it felt like that. It's like the team, the guys on the field just weren't. They weren't prepared for what RSL was doing, and, and and maybe that's on the coaching too. But it just felt like the guys on the field just weren't like just reacting and and trying to figure out what to to do. And and it was and it's not like RSL was doing anything too complex or uh, I don't know too skilled or whatever. It's just it just we just weren't a we just, we just weren't there. Okay, no further questions. <laughs> I have a question. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm getting grilled over here. Yeah. Top to bottom, whose roster do you think has more skill, RSL or Philly? Um, I mean, is not terrible, but I, I still think we do. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, full health, like maybe not on, on the day. It, it was a little closer without the guys I mentioned, but right, right. Uh, it's still, I still think we should have been fine. Um, Fabian. Okay. Yeah. So I, I have a thought about Fabian. Okay. Um, he didn't have it. It was a pretty quiet day again. Um, but he just isn't the volume 10 that I want him, want us to have. And I always go back to Barnetta is our the ideal number ten that uh, the union system needs, and I don't think Fabian's ever going to be that. Um, not that he can't be a, a successful uh, addition to this team or you know player on this team, but I just he's not that guy that's going to facilitate the attack and work. And, and, and he works, and he's not. I'm not saying he's lazy or anything. He just, he's kind of like just like that kind of big play kind of player. He's going to go for that big shot and and make that kind of go for the the flashy play. But Barnetta was a guy that kind of grinded out the the plays that kind of keeps everything together in a co- cohesive offense, and I, I just don't see that from Fabian. And and that's and not that like it's not going to ever work, but I just I, that's what is discouraging for me. Did you ever see that from him? from F- Fabian? Mm-hmm. Uh, he, almost in that LA game before he got hurt. That's when I really saw him on the ball a lot and working and just doing the the, the small little the passes, ten stuff. Yeah, right? the, and the, and not the the small stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. just the. 
he was and, and, he, and I'm not saying he doesn't he always he's working a lot on the field in every game it's just that he's not getting those little touches and we saw Dash Cole do that a lot last year just the, the little touches the little passes that really unlock a, a defense and stuff so that was it's still fresh to see and I still hope he, he can turn it around and, and make a successful run in the uh, the second half of this year but that's what that's what I saw yeah I'm as as a massive union fan I'm very nervous about what I've seen from the guy that we've spent a lot of money on right yeah the good thing is we have a one-year contract mm-hmm. with options so it's not like we're locked into a whole lot with them but if it doesn't actually turn around but let's stay optimistic hopefully he can okay. he can figure something out <laughs> yeah one thing I was like just kind of thinking and listening and like this game was against a west coast team on the road of all the games to lose, this is oh, like yeah. one that matters. And we have a terrible record against uh, RSL. It's like something like one seven three. Yeah, we've never, won, or, never yeah. won there. Right, yeah. and, and even in general, home and away, I don't think it's a, it's it's great. So, so they're like, a tough team for us. But fortunately, we only played them once, and you know that's out of the way now. What what took a hit was that goal differential. That was that's true. That yeah, won. yeah, we did have a good goal differential uh, going into this week, but it was it definitely took a hit. Yeah, went from plus 11 to just plus 7 now. Uh, someone is ahead of us. NYCFC now have plus 9. Which... Right. And they still have games at hand. So they're they're scary, but they're also dropping points. So, yeah, we got we, we've I mean, as far as results from other teams, we've been very fortunate. Right. And uh, when we when we kind of crap the bed, other teams are crapping the bed, thankfully. Yep. So a lot of beds just have crap in them right now um, in the East. <laughs> <laughs> so like the Atlanta game. Um, Glad Atlanta lost. Uh, Red Bull beat NYCFC, and NYCFC was one of those teams that was creeping up. And Red Bull still is a team that's creeping up. They should be yeah. keeping an eye on oh, it. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, they're still further down. Um, but, yeah, so Union are still in first place after this uh, beatdown. Um, still four points ahead of D.C. United. So after this weekend, we still will be in first place for another week. Um, so, that, I mean, we're... Well, they have a double game week. Yeah, I don't know. so nah, well. so possibly we could be we could drop. So, but then Wolves have a game in hand. Well, I mean, like we'll be even on game. I don't know. Yeah, so no, so you're wrong. Okay, <laughs> so but it's DC United. They they're garbage. They're, yeah, they're playing Cincinnati and Atlanta. So juggernauts, a juggernaut, a juggernaut. <laughs> but they always do well against Atlanta. It's really weird. They they've got Atlanta's number. DC. So that's not good for us. Not good for us. No. Yeah. But uh, Luciano Costa's suspension was upheld, so he he's not going to be playing um, at least the first game. Okay, so that's good. I don't. Know. Yeah, um, I got, definitely got to keep an eye on them. But yeah, it's a union podcast, so let's talk about uh, union stuff. Yeah, so let's get into so a couple of big VAR calls. Um, do you guys want to talk now? Okay, <laughs> so Luke's done for the podcast. Have a good night. Calling it. Uh, there were three big calls that went to VAR. Um, there's a call that could have been a red card tackle, cleats into the back of a union player, so could have possibly put RSL down to 10 men. Um, there was a, the union goal from Wooten, Wooten, his first touch goal, which was called back because the ball was said to be over the end line. Clearly. Clearly over the end line. And then the RSL goal, goal which was initially ruled offside, and then... After VAR was called a goal. Then there's this, another one. With another the, one. Excuse me. Uh, Crylock, the guy who got the, the first. first yellow VAR 
overturned call, and then he had a, a pretty clear handball that should have been. Uh, that's that's a hand. That's a that's a yellow card handball that um didn't get uh, called. So that that could have been another a red card for them. So, I mean, there's there's so many so many ways we can go with this this discussion in the Union game. Um, I, let me start with with. I really I just keep thinking about the Union goal because that's where the game ended for me. Sure. Was that ball clear and obvious over the line? So, to me, it was probably over the line. But the... Probably. Right, exactly. But, like, the the call on the field was it was it was a goal. It wasn't over the line. The ball was in play. Um, and then it goes to VAR, and I don't understand how that ref could possibly with 100% certainty, clear and obviously see that that ball goes over the line because it's five feet in the air. You don't, you can't draw that plane of field in, in a 30-second review. I mean, it, it just didn't make sense that, like, and, and I get, like, it's a, it, and it's a judgment call, and that's what he, he saw, but it's it wasn't a clear and obvious uh, decision that we expect VAR, or we thought VAR was supposed to be. And so, so the broadcast with Brian Dunseth um, was phenomenal with this particular one because he kept saying, "It's not clear and obvious. This is a judgment. It's not clear and obvious. Right. It's judgment." He said it like four and that's times, what, and they didn't expect that to get turned over because of those parameters. Yeah, and then sure enough, the ref did it. And so, with VAR, I mean, I, I, is it too much re-refing? random call like calls is it I mean, it's just it doesn't seem like it's really good right now right yeah it's so yeah it's so hard to judge right now and we keep i feel like we keep saying this back we're just like in a loss for words we don't know even how to what's going to happen with all these calls and I, it's just it makes the game so much more unclear I almost feel like MLS needs to require more technology before we start using technology like I don't even think it's that I think it's just a more defined a uh, clear and cut, it. yeah. When when to use it and when not to use it, right? And, and what, um, yeah, what what constitutes a, like a turnover, a turned over call yeah, kind of thing? I I remember when they first started to use VAR was back the World Cup, two World Cups ago when um, they used it for whether the ball went over the goal line or not for a goal, mm-hmm. and that was right. it. that was and that I thought that that was a very logical way to use yeah. VAR, you know, to determine whether a ball is in the net or not, you know, to score the goal. Now it's, it's, they, they have all these random ways that they could use VAR. And to me, it's VAR stands for very annoying replays. <laughs> That's what they are. And it, it takes away what I've love about sports. Uh-huh. Like when you go to, when you go to any sports game, what, what do you, what do you expect to see or what do you hope to see, right? Scoring. Scoring. You, you, you expect to see something that you've never seen before and you expect to get excited about something that um, you've never seen before. And what's happening now is with VAR hanging over the sport and not just, you know, not just soccer, but football, you can't get excited when, when, a touchdown is scored when a goal is scored. You've got to hit the pause button and say, okay, did that really happen? Am I supposed to get excited or is it going to be called back? And this is what's ruined sports for me is that this VAR thing has 
taken out the, you know, the um, kind of that spontaneous excitement that only sports can bring to someone who's watching uh, because you're never sure if it's going to be called back or not. And if it does go through and it turns out to be a goal, it's, it's anticlimactic. And you get excited over something that um, happened. Something, something the ref ago. did rather than something the player did. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, I go back. I'm, I'm a, a frustrated Minnesota Vikings fan. And the definition of the Hail Mary pass started back in, I think it was a, play, it was a playoff game between the Minnesota Vikings and the Dallas Cowboys, I think back in 1972 or 73. And Roger Stallback, at the end of the game, they're down uh, by less than a touchdown, and they, he throws a Hail Mary, and the Dallas Cowboys receiver clearly pushes off and creates offensive interference against the Minnesota defensive back to catch the ball and run in for a touchdown. And I was freaking out, right? I got, I got over it, but that was part of the game. Now, the nice thing about it is that it, the game was played in Minnesota, and the referee that didn't make the call got hit by a wine bottle, literally, <laughs> from somebody who was in the stands and got knocked out. And I was like, yes. But, <laughs> but that, that, and that, that's it. And that was it. You know, if, if VAR was around back then, and now, now they're talking about using electronic video to call balls and strikes at baseball games uh-huh. in a minor league, um, in a minor league somewhere up in New, uh, in New York, I think. I mean, do you need lines people at tennis matches? You know, you can you can just get rid of all this stuff if you want. If you really want it to be perfect, but it just takes away the humanity and the spontaneity and the excitement of sports. And I'm, I know I'm getting on a on a bandwagon uh, or a soapbox here, but it's <laughs> the problem is it's taken away the uniqueness of sports because you've you've got to always second guess yourself because it might be taken away. Right. Yeah, and I would say that that happened specifically in this game with both both the goals that were changed here. Union right. scored; it was celebrated, and, and that and then could have turned away. the game to- completely around. Mm-hmm. Could have salvaged a point at least, but and then RSL is kind of the opposite. They had a goal that was initially ruled offside, so this player who scores, oh wait, it's not a goal. Fans, oh wait, it's not a goal, and then the ref goes and checks it and then says, oh, it is a goal. And then how much excitement is it four minutes later? It's also the fourth of a fourth goal of a route, so that's a little different. They they're kind of already in a good mood and, and whatever, but that's a, in that situation. But but I mean that could happen anytime in the game, right? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so we have all this stuff. Uh, like I almost feel like there needs to be yeah more regulation. I I don't know how does a ref make a call when the technology doesn't give them the right angle for the union goal. So right. the union goal, there wasn't a clear angle down the end line yet. The ref made a call that changed the game. And so there should be like some, I don't, I, I don't know if, if that's the direction we're going, I feel like there needs to be some regulation like, okay, well th- this stadium doesn't have an end line cam. So how can we make a clear and obvious call based on this? Right. And until everything, I, I, I don't know. It's like yeah. until everything is, all in sync with each other. How, how can we have refs making the same exact decisions when not everything's the same? I don't know. I, yeah, it's so tough. VAR is supposed to get it right. And when they're, and they're using VAR and they're still not getting it right. So there's a problem with VAR. If, if it's intended to get it right 
and you're not getting it right, then you're using a flawed system. Yeah, there's still the human error then. <laughs> there's still a human error. So, so get rid of VAR and just rely on human error and, and move on. Yeah. Get, o- get over it. Yeah. I think I heard, it may have been Tommy Smith or Rodney Marsh, one of them on uh, the Grumpy Pundits. This was a long time ago. They talked about VAR and said um, VAR was supposed to get rid of like arguing about wrong calls, but now we're just arguing about VAR. Right. And so it hasn't gotten any arguing out of the game. It's just yeah. now we're just arguing about something different right. and something that is preventable. Yeah. But I mean, on the plus side for us, we don't have to talk about this terrible game. We, we just get to go on a VAR rant. So. Uh, thank goodness. <laughs> thank goodness. Thank you, VAR. <laughs> thank you, VAR. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't know. It's there. So one question I want to ask, uh, Dad, as you've, you've got a little experience in the marketing field, um, and so my, one of my big fears with VAR coming to soccer and becoming a bigger part of soccer is, do you see a time where some company is going to say, all right, for a VAR call, let us play a 20-second commercial? Is, is there something that you could see, you know, a company you used to work for being like, hey, Union, if there's a VAR call, we, we're going to give you this much money to play one of our ads when everyone's watching and tuned in? Well, I don't think a company would want to sponsor something that people view as negative. I, I don't think that that's something. While there's a timeout, yes, um, you're you're looking, but not a not sponsoring the VAR, but more of a like go away from the game and this is just here's a Adidas commercial. You didn't work for Adidas, but it's just saying like, all right, ref goes over to the camera. We cut away from the game for 20 seconds to show the new Adidas commercial. Yeah. If I was responsible for advertising, I would not want to have that spot for my company to to run because people are already annoyed and now they're going to break away from the game and watch watch my ad that that they're just going to I don't think they're going to associate good feelings with with my brand if if I'm running it during a VAR spot Uh, but I know that you guys have talked about this before where if there's a break in the action an an injury you know a corner kick or whatever it is um, and then you have you have an advertising opportunity and I think that that's that's a reality that that's coming I, I don't think you can avoid it because I think you know, everybody's looking for opportunities to, to promote themselves and to make money. And I think soccer is no different than the NFL or the Major League Baseball or anything like that. So I think that's coming. But the timing of it is important. Like, where do you where do you put it? And if somebody was saying, OK, well, we have, you know, a, v, a VAR opportunity, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't want it. Gotcha. Cool. Cool. Um, any, any, anything else anyone wants to talk about with VAR? I think we covered it pretty well. Yeah. It's, it's, Good it's stuff a, there. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, so from this game, uh, despite all the VAR and the four goals against us, Luke, I'm going to ask you, who is the best union player in your opinion? So instead of power rankings, um, we're going to do a union best, union worst. Best union player from the game, worst union player from the game. You give one, I'll give one, and then we'll go into our worst players of the game. All right. I have to give a best. That's a, a thing we're going to add to this. <laughs> Whatever you can. Who who did who was the least worst? The least worst. 
I I was gonna go with someone that didn't play <laughs> to start the game. That 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 might be your best choice. Okay, I was gonna like initially just go with Montero just because this is another game that showed just how valuable he was because we got kind of beat up in the middle of the field or not beat up but uh uh there were just a bunch of uh gaps and and misplays that he would have covered um in, in this game. Uh, if I had to go with the player that's on the field, I would. I I, I guess I go with Wooten. He. He's the only <laughs> highlight of our of our night. Kind yeah. of almost. Um, yeah, so I was gonna choose choose the one as well, and I was like, "Oh, cool, you're going Montero," because my pick, you know, which I thought I told you, was Wooten. So <laughs> I didn't give, give me, but give me your your reason. Um, so at this point, I was pretty pretty well in from the bar. Um, a couple bars, uh, but but here's the uh, the only highlight that I had from the Union game. So I was like, ah, oh, Wooten. Um, I was like, well, if Luke takes Wooten, then I'm going to go with Montero because again, he showed his value. And I know Dad's sitting here like, gosh, these guys are agreeing again. This is awful. <laughs> but yeah, so let's go into the worst player of All the right. night, or who was the lowest? Uh, right. You know, it's hard to say a pro um, is the worst. I, I know you're going to go with, so I'm going to give my other answer. Okay, I'm going to go with Fabinho. Because I don't think he's going to eat. This is one of his few chances to get on the field. And he did not capitalize on that chance. He, he gave nothing to to make me want to see him uh, start a game ever again. Yeah. And I, I didn't think Fabinho thought he was ever going to play this year. You know, and, and, it was, and he's getting on the field. And that's I think that's that's an issue that uh, the union are, are stuck with, that they don't have any bet anybody better than Fabinho. Well, he, well, no, we we did have Matt Rowell, Matt Rowell, but he had he was with a steal, so it was just a situation with Kai Wagner getting a fluke injury. But I blame the union for for not having a choice that they've well, got to play a guy that that they never thought that they were going to play this year. Uh, honestly, yeah, that's right? fair. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know, like it's it's hard to like blame the union for injuries coming up, but I, I get what you're saying. He shouldn't even be really an option mm-hmm. at this point. Um, Speaking of guys who shouldn't be playing this year, <laughs> let me tell you my union worst. This would be uh, none other than Raymond Gaddis. And and like I said, I, I pretty well done at the bar, but one, one thing I do remember from that game was that Ray Gaddis giveaway. Yeah. And I heard plenty uh, that he just overall didn't have a good game. I mean, no but, one did, but yeah, for sure. But that that goal was embarrassing. As a, it, it made no sense. As a and, and amateur they were, player myself, like I would be mortified if that was something I gave up, and I would apologize to my team, and I'm sure he did because that was a very uh, amateurish play. It was the most embarrassing moment in a game where two of our most veteran players ran into each other and gave up a, a turnover that led to a thirty a twenty yard shot. Yeah, that, that yeah, yeah, that and there was, was still a worse play than that. Yeah, so, yay, <laughs> cool. All so right. we're in first place. First place, Philadelphia Union. <laughs> not in last. Not not gonna be anywhere but first after this weekend, um, basically. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. So, um, that uh, that's the end of our first uh, segment here. So we recapped Real Salt Lake. Talked about VAR. Uh, that was garbage, more garbage, and then we talked about the union's worst players of the night, so more garbage. But we're going to do a, a little break here, then we're going to come back and um, get out of the trash can here. We're going to watch, uh, we're going to preview the Chicago game, talk about the Gold Cup in Philly, a little Women's World Cup talk. Um, 
And it'll um, be more fun. Yeah, let's let's have some fun after the break. So enjoy this. Hey guys, Stupid Brothers back from uh, the break. Um, if you didn't get a chance, go back and listen to our VAR discussion. It was pretty interesting. We've got to we always do that, but people listen to that know, by the who, time they get to this I, point. I know, <laughs> but sometimes I just listen to a podcast and click into the middle and see where I'm at. <laughs> Anyone else? <laughs> anyway, it's Stupid Brothers. Um, we're going to talk about the Chicago game that's upcoming. And we've got a special guest with us, Stupid Dad. He's going to talk about his time in Philly working the Gold Cup. We'll talk about Women's World Cup. Uh, a couple more little things. So first up this weekend, we have a game at Talon Energy Field against Chicago Fire. Right now, Union are in first place. Chicago is all the way down in number 10, 10th place, averaging 1.05 points per game. They've got a plus one goal differential, so at least they're in the positive there. Okay. Most importantly, they've got CJ Sapong and Fabian Herbers. Yeah, CJ's doing real well. And so CJ's having a solid year. Um, and so... I think we, we can all agree this game after the Real Salt Lake game is a must win. It's it's not like a season ender if we lose, but it's a must win in terms of uh, Union we Twitter. really need to get this. <laughs> <laughs> Union Twitter will explode that's, if we lose this game. That's fair. But yeah, we just need to get that kind of like bad taste out of our mouth after this is it was it's our worst loss of the year. And uh, yeah, we just need it. Go coming back to home against a, a not great team in the East is a is a time to really step it up. Yeah, I, and I've talked about the scheduling gods who have given us a somewhat favorable schedule where we play good teams For after the, the midweek yeah. game, and um, we're catching teams when they've players injured or suspended and stuff. So we've, I think this is another time where we're we're kind of blessed with a game where after we got our butts kicked. Now we get to play a weaker Eastern Conference game where they're on short rest. They're on short rest. Um, oh, they have a midweek game? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Who do they play? Um, not sure, but it's definitely a midweek game. Ah, good. Good info there. Yep. Um, Cruz Azul. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah. Oh, they do play Cruz Azul. Oh, that's a... <laughs> Oh, it's a friendly. Okay. I guess it's not as crucial then. Never mind. <laughs> so they'll be playing whoever they feel like they need to be playing for the Union game. Um, no, wait. They're playing Columbus. Let's let's get together, guys. <laughs> they're playing Columbus tomorrow. Oh, that's that's the following week. They have cruises all after us. You know um, dads with their iPads. Oh, uh, yeah, right there. Everyone's been uh, there. They get things wrong sometimes. Cruz Azul, Columbus, what's the difference? <laughs> Columbus has been called the Cruz Azul of America. <laughs> so, Cruz C, which I, I always think it sounds like U, USC, like University of Southern California. Nice. <laughs> so, uh, you Philadelphia Union podcast here. Uh, we are talking about them playing a team called <laughs> Chicago Fire. Um one question, Andrew Andrew Vooten, does he start? Uh, me? Yeah, I'm gonna. He starts. I think he starts. Luke says he starts. Um, I think. Who I'm, who for? Who does he start with? I think he starts for Fafa. Not that Fafa's been, had a bad. Oh, not that anyone had a good game, but I think uh, him and Casper would be a really interesting look. Um, I, I, I just I think that's their just two most dangerous strikers. Couldn't you start Fafa too? You uh, not in a four. Are we playing? What are we playing? Four four two or four two three one, because I don't I don't think it works with with those guys. 
Because I don't think we can play a four-two-three-one with Fafa as a winger, and I don't think Vuton or Casper's a winger. But I don't think Fafa's a good shuttler or a number ten in the four-four-two. So I don't think I don't know if it works that well. I think it would have to be like a you know a sub to make that change. What about putting? I saw someone put this out, at, and I think Jim said this: put Casper at the ten. Oh uh, yeah, and have Fafa and Wooten up top. It could happen. It. I I only want to see that happen if Montero is healthy and playing. And so Montero would be the left, yeah, shuttler. Because I don't, I think we need still need someone who's kind of uh, a more of a, more of an attacking midfielder mm-hmm. yeah. that can get it, get into that that, we, that kind of area too. We really just need Montero back. It, it's, yeah, it's, for all the it's reasons, so crucial that he yeah. he comes back. I, I think Wooten starts as well. Um, honestly, I might start him with Fafa just because I think I think Fafa will wear down defense and has experience playing against Chicago. He's a good sub, though. That's why I, yeah. I feel like he, he's probably the best sub ever of our strikers because I don't think Casper is that brings that kind of spark off the bench that uh, Fafa brings. But All that's, right. my, that's, that's an annoyingly good point. Okay. <laughs> um, so we hope Wagner's back. We hope, obviously, Elsino Montero back. Right. We'll, yeah, we'll find out tomorrow, so we'll see. And, and we're... I mean, are we stuck with Gattis? Do you think R.J. Allen gets a run out? I know R.J. Allen's playing right now with the Union against uh, Reading United up there for their Union night. I mean, it, would you would you prefer? So to me right now, I think our, and I'm, I'm going to bring this to another point. Drop the right back, only play with 10? No, I think our, our most solid starting back four right now is uh, Wagner, Colin, Elliott, and Allen slash maybe Mbezo. Isn't Mbezo hurt? No, yeah. Still take a hurt Mbezo over Gaddis. I Okay, all right. Then right at this present, then, then I'd go Allen. Mm-hmm. But I think that the ideal, like, if, if we were in playing to a playoff game and everyone was healthy, I think that's the lineup to win the game. Well, Mark McKenzie, where's he fit? Where's he I, rank right now in your center backs? So, so your center backs right now are Jack Elliott... I think and Colin are the top two. I don't, uh, Elliot or uh, Mackenzie. I don't. I, it's, it's hard to judge. He's played so little this year, so I don't know. But I, I mean, I don't know. I think Trusty just needs a game off or two, just because he's been. He's been. He I had don't last know, week off, right? Yeah, but yeah. he he's still he's, He came back and and still made some mistakes. Mistakes and and Colin has played so solid that I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think he's he's. If if we needed to win a playoff game like right now, he'd be the starting back. I don't want to say. Cool. What about Matt Real? Uh, I mean, he he played great in his cameo, but I still think Kai Wagner is a, a, such a good player that it's it's hard to unseat him. Uh, all right, so let's go. What's um, what are you guys' predictions? Uh, my prediction or is... anything else you want to cover before we get to that? Sorry, <laughs> sorry, I, I, I jumped. Is it a must win? That's I don't think I'm, so. I think uh, mentality wise, maybe, but not like like in the standings or anything. Yeah, I mean, what do you think the fans are coming with? I mean, the fans are going to be a little more dramatic than, than the team and, and the That's standings. But yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I, I I think it's I will be fine if we lose. Like it's we're still in a good spot, but I I don't know. It's it's more of a mentality thing. I think it is a must win because I think if we lose, then we get into the psychology of um, psychology of what what's happened in the past. I feel like there's too much history of the union hitting these slides after good 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 times then a slide and with Curtin receiving his extension I feel like 
if he loses the first two games after getting an extension, I feel like then then I I I, I don't think it's a good thing. I yeah. I think we do need to win this. I don't, um, I, I don't disagree. I'm I'm saying that's it has been a mentality thing, like the same the same kind of mm-hmm. points. Um, obviously, points wise, if we don't win, we're okay. We're still you know yeah. above the red line, but. I think I I do think it's a must win. I think I think um, it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a good night. I think I mean, it's gonna be like a hundred degrees. So yeah, that's one crazy. thing with it's gonna be a hundred gr- degrees on Saturday. A bunch of dogs gonna be there. It's gonna be crazy. Yeah, you can bring bring your dogs, fish, cats. I don't know about all that. Birds, dolphins. Um, it's pet day. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a new brewery opening, the Larimer Brewery. Yeah, opening uh, uh, right by the training fields. Yeah, the 19th is a grand opening apparently, and the, uh, the game's obviously on the 20th. So that's, uh, yeah, that's uh, my anniversary is the 19th. So oh, that's good for you. But I'm not. I'm unfortunately not going to be up there. Uh, you'll be up there with with your girlfriend. Yeah. You guys going to the game? That'll be cool. Yeah. Um, um, there's a live podcast going on with it's always soccer in Philadelphia. So a lot of good stuff going on around this game. Um, so hopefully, hopefully we get that must win. My prediction. Is three zero? I think we're. I think we're gonna come out. I think it's like I said. I think it's must win. I think uh, Wooten starts. I think he gets himself two goals. I'm gonna put him on my fancy team. Ooh. If I remember to set that's my fancy team this year, that's a, that's a curse. That's a curse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Last week I forgot to set my team, so this week I'm gonna remember. I'm gonna put Wooten in. He's going to score two goals, and the third goal is gonna be an own goal. Interesting. That's a that's a that's a curveball. Yeah. OG. <laughs> Dad, you want to go next? Uh, I'll go four zero. Whoa! Yep, um, they're gonna turn it all the way around nice. and come back with a nice four zero win. Get that goal differential back to where it, where it should be, and um, you know, think about Chicago. They're they're ripe to be to be beat sure. by the Union, and then they've got to come back and go on the road to Montreal. So I think the Union realized they they got six home games left, six away games left. Hmm. And now they they got they got to show that they're they're legit. Yeah, they're sitting at the top of the Eastern Conference, and I think they've got to prove to people that they belong there. And I think the a four zero win will go a long way. Yeah, nice. Any goal scores you want to call out? Ray Gattis. What the? <laughs> he already finally breaks the streak. <laughs> He's going to get a PK. That would be amazing. <laughs> After the game he played to score a goal, <laughs> that would be hilarious. Yeah. From the Doopy Brothers Union Worst <laughs> to a goal scorer. I <laughs> read um, a movie about it. <laughs> um, all right. So mine, I thought I was going to have a, a pretty good positive prediction, but you guys out positive to me. Um, I, I'm going to say 3-1. I'm going to say CJ scores a goal, and then we're going to go out and uh, score... And who's going to score? It's going to be Casper, um, Montero, and then Elstine is going to come in. So, yeah, that's my prediction. So you think Montero is good? good I think go. they're both good. I think it's it's going to be almost close to a full, oh, yeah. Uh, full health. Too. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. All right. So there it is. Uh, Union guaranteed to win either. They're, they're guaranteed to score three goals. Yeah. Whether it's three or four is up to them. Um, <laughs> so that's our Chicago breakdown. Uh, let us know your predictions in the comments or tweet at us or anyway, yeah, tweet at us. Yeah. Tweet, tweet, tweet me. Um, 
So let's go into some other soccer stuff because we have our special guest here, Daddy Dupe, Dupe Daddy, Dupe Dad, Dupey Dad. There you go. John Mc... John. No, 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 no. John. Dad. No, you, no, no. Do you guys want his email? <laughs> he was very concerned his email was going to get out. <laughs> um, so... The Gold Cup was in Philly. Uh, the Gold Cup had a game in Philly, and he, he got to volunteer work a little bit. So kind of tell us about that experience. Oh, thanks. I never thought you'd ask. I appreciate that. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, the, the Gold Cup quarterfinals uh, were held in Philadelphia, and I got to do some volunteer work there with my buddy Chris. And uh, I know he's a, uh, a listener to you guys. And so, hey, Chris, how's it going? Hey, Chris. Um, hey, Chris. So, you know, 25,000 maybe were at the link watching the doubleheader. Um, I know for they were disappointed games, for, for both games. Nice. Yeah, it was a doubleheader. But like the, for, they filled up for the first game? First game, nice. I would say there were less than 25,000. Okay. Uh, American fans showed up probably at halftime of the first game. Gotcha. Um, and I know, you know, the Gold Cup attendance in Philly got hurt when Trinidad and Tobago did not advance and Curacao did. Curacao literally had a group of it looked like about 25 fans in the stadium mm. and Trinidad would have brought thousands probably. Right, right. Uh, there's a big Trinidad population in the Philadelphia area so I know that that hurt big time but what what impressed me most was the fact that the number of Hispanic families that were there that lots of kids lots of moms lots of kids and you know their dads and kids wearing union philadelphia union jerseys nice. it was it was impressive and and i was and they were rooting for the united states and and i i really thought that that was neat i mean obviously there were the panama fans and the jamaica fans um that were that were there to support their countries but there were plenty of of uh, American fans that were not your typical American fan that you would that you would think about. They were it was it was a nice cross section. I think there were a lot of Mexican fans that um, there's a big Mexican population in the Philadelphia market, and it was just nice to see how many families that were um, not you know that that were Hispanic that were rooting for the United States and 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 not only that but were clearly union fans. So cool. I was really impressed by that. And, and I think that that's a nice shift that's happening slowly in this country where you don't have to rely on, you know, the typical American fan that it's, it's becoming, it's cutting across different ethnic groups and, and people are starting to identify. And I think these kids are going to grow up. These, these um, Hispanic kids are going to grow up thinking that you know, United States is is legitimate soccer team, and and that they're going to be able to root for them. And I, it was it was really eye opening for me to see how many were there supporting the United States. Um, you know, it was not a great performance by the United States, and you know we don't have to beat that dead horse about what's going on with the United States national team. But um, from a from a support perspective, I was I was impressed with the fans. Even though there were only twenty five thousand there, it was it was it was a good a good eye opening experience for me. Nice, that's cool. Awesome. Um, yeah. I, uh, was, that, did, was that good enough? <laughs> that, was, that was great. That, yeah, that was awesome. Speechless. So, <laughs> so um, would you, would you volunteer again next time? Of course. Yeah, I, I always volunteer for for 
opportunities like that just because get you get a little bit closer you get on the field you get down in the uh, underneath the stadium and and get a little bit closer access to uh, to the players and just a better appreciation of it's, it's an international tournament at the end of the day it's it's a big deal yeah and how it's run is is very very impressive yep. so that's also fun. retired so he's got the time <laughs> <laughs> um Nice. That's pretty, pretty awesome. Uh, cool little insight there. Uh, let's let's come back to speaking of international tournaments. Yeah. We we just had the women's World Cup. Still still buzzing off that high of the the, the win. Yeah, I think they're still dancing, still singing, still celebrating. Yeah. They're they're finding any parade they can get into. Not, and know. they should. It, yeah. It's been phenomenal. They deserve to celebrate every bit that they did. Um, uh, and they should still be celebrated. But so, so we all watched. Uh, we we've kind of talked a little bit about it. But Dad, what what was something? And we we know what you're going to say. But tell everyone what was one thing that you thought really stood out about the Women's World Cup that you and it was in the final that this really stuck out to you as something that might help the game of soccer. <laughs> well, thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean I think everybody has. That, that watched the Women's World Cup and is familiar with the Women's World Cup um, over the past several iterations of it have seen the quality of play rise and that teams are, are, are much, much better than they used to be. Um, and and it's, it's, it's great to watch and to see the rest of the world catch up and, and realize that um, you know, other countries are investing in women's soccer. It's, it's fantastic because it's going to push the United States to even be better. And, you know, one of the things that I also noticed is that, you know, women who are excelling at soccer like they've never have been before are looking for to find advantages um, over in certain situations. And, and that includes the diving. And, you know, I saw some of that that more more in this tournament than I've seen in, in previous World Cup iterations that these women are, because they're looking for advantages, they're looking for ways to, to um, you know, change the game in their direction. And, and they can do that by drawing penalties and, and fouls and things like that. And one thing that's, that, and, and that's, you know, one of the challenges that we have as soccer fans is to convince those non-soccer fans that, you know, the diving is part of the game. And, but it, I hate it. You know, I, I hate the fake dives and, the players that that you know limp off the field and then run to the center line and ask to be waved back on immediately. And I saw during, and I don't know if it was the final or the semifinal. I think I it feel might, like it was a semi. That I think it was against us. against England. Yeah, yeah. Where Tia, it was at towards the end of the game, and Tobin Heath, who I love watching, I think she's incredibly talented, um, went down with one of those one of those fake injuries laid on the ground and, and, and was helped off the field and then immediately ran to the center line and asked to come back in. And the referee didn't let her back in right away. And Jill Ellis was freaking out on the sideline, trying to get the referee's attention to have Tobin Heath come back into the game. And this is something that I loved because I think this is where referees have the power and you know, the opportunity to stop this diving by if a player goes down with an injury and has to get off the field and it's clearly 
not a legitimate injury, and they run right back to the, to the, to the center, asked to come back in. The referee has the power to let them in whenever they want. And if they keep that player off, like this referee did during the U.S.-England game, Tobin Heath of the world are going to think twice about going down and, and pretending to have an injury because it's going to be interesting to see if this is something that referees kind of grasp. This, this, the, I thought this referee did an outstanding job during the England-U.S. Um, game. Right, right. And this was, this was an example. She would not let Tobin Heath come right back on the field. And it was – I loved it. I loved it. I thought that that, that could – that's – that's what you have to do as yep. a referee to, to stop this crap of these players going down with bogus injuries to waste time and then want to come right back in the game and expect to be uh, admitted right back into the game. I, I was curious what you guys thought of that. Right. Yeah. I think that's yeah. It's an interesting uh, way to address the, the diving that like we keep having to, again, like you said, like defend as, as soccer fans that it's just part of the game. But yeah, like I think the, the, the other like, I don't know, solution to this problem was uh, like finding players who, who dive and, and especially in the main game, that's, that's less of a factor because like a lot of these guys who, who do that are, are, you know, have buttloads of money that it's, it's not really, that's really less of an issue. But being, yeah, I think Neymar is not going to be hurt by it. Exactly. Neymar is not being hurt by a fine. Exactly. So it's this, this kind of, uh, I don't know, solution where it affects the kind of immediate game and immediate flow uh, from the immediate uh, kind of impact from your, your, your actions. That's a sort of interesting way and, and kind of a, a less uh, d- destructive way to, to uh, address this. I think it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I got nothing else to add. I think it all sounds good to me. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate your support. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I feel like so often refs don't. Uh, it becomes more of about the players than about the ref. And it's not supposed to be about the refs, but the refs are in charge. They are there to keep the game moving. And sometimes I feel like they lose the point of the game, whether it's going to VAR too much or, or with this letting players kind of dictate different things. Letting a big thing that bothers me that refs could change with the game is um, the confrontation. I feel like there's too often gate the game is being slowed up because. Uh, five to six, seven, eight guys are gathering around the referee to yell at him about something yeah. when the game can be going on. And and that kind of goes... Michael Bradley. Michael Bradley, I'm talking to you. A big fan of the show, though. <laughs> um, and, and it just kind of goes back to that thing where the refs need to keep the game moving, keep, keep soccer the way it should be played. A, a fast-paced game that doesn't have these stoppages, that doesn't have players faking injuries, doesn't have players slowing down the game to yell at a ref for a call that is made and isn't going to be unmade because like what if undoing a call is it isn't a thing so why do players keep doing this where they they gather around the ref yell at the ref and he's not changing the call he can't say oh you know what all you guys are you're making a great point thanks for all telling me at the same time to my face let's let's do a drop ball and just go you in (laughs) yeah let's let's move on and so it but it just slows down the game and just like these fake injuries which clearly are not hurting uh, the player like the player's obviously not hurt and so the ref does need to step in and take charge and make sure the game's played the way it's supposed to be played. Yeah, and that's the 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 referee has that opportunity to to make the game better and and I think the you know the those that are brave enough to to do it will will, will in fact 
you'll you'll see less diving. I think that's very very possible. But and and I like to add one more thing about the Women's World Cup and to tie it back because I know this is a Philadelphia Union focused podcast. Um, the other thing that that was that impressed me about the Women's World Cup when they did a lot of the player introductions and they would tell you where these players are playing. Um, you know, players not just on the you know in the United States, but all these European players. They're playing for major clubs in in Europe, Arsenal, the Arsenals, the Real Madrids, you know, the, the big time clubs that have clearly invested in um, in the women's game. And you can see how quickly uh, those European nations in particular are catching up to the United States. And I think that's something that that the United States needs to pay attention to. And I know that there's that, you know, some of the NWSL teams are affiliated with uh, MLS teams, but not nearly enough. And, and it's interesting to maybe uh, a point of conversation to, to think about, you know, and there isn't, a, there isn't a Philadelphia women's team at this point, but if there was, you know, is that something that the Philadelphia Union should have uh, some sort of role in? Because I think, you know, you can see the impact that these major clubs in Europe who now recognize that there's an opportunity to invest in the women's game, you know, to, to broaden their market. And obviously it's all about making money. Um, and, um, but it, at the end of the day, that's also improving the women's quality of play. And, and it was great to see during the world cup. And I, I, I think that, that, uh, you know, we, we need to, we, we better think about how we're approaching and supporting women's soccer, because I know they're getting a little bit of a bump right now with, with the success of the women's world, Cup championship, but um, they're they're still struggling with with attendance, and you know I think that it, it, let's say you know these MLS teams invested in women's soccer um, is that something that could could make a difference? And a, a big team that does that is Portland. They they've got the Portland Thorns who play in the same stadium. Um, Draw like the same numbers attendance wise. Yeah, I'm just looking at their attendance right now. There, there are about seventeen thousand fans come out for that. And so, if I'm if I'm a soccer fan going out to Portland, that would be something that I would want to check out. And I mean, they're they're obviously a team that's being supported. They've got players who can play, um, and and they're putting on their their team that's invested in. So it's yeah, it is a beneficial they, situation. Um, they're like the ideal model to get support for the women's game and also. I don't know, just make it look at an even playing field for both sides. I, I don't know, like, I think it's uh, something that would be incredible to see with uh, with a union. I don't know, like, I, like sometimes the union struggle with attendance, so it, and, and it's definitely, like, the steel struggle with attendance, so it, it'd be tough to kind of envision uh, how big this market really is for soccer, but hopefully we can grow it enough to make, uh, to support more. Yeah, I don't think it's something that you can force upon you, uh, MLS teams and say we need you to have a women's team. But I, I do think it's something that teams should be think about. Like I'm just looking at the Portland roster right now. They've got uh, uh, Tobin Heath, Lindsey Horan, Klingenberg. Um, so, I mean, they're, they're getting players who will put butts in the seats. Right. Um, and there's uh, Christine Sinclair up there. Um, so you get the uh, Canadian crowd coming down. I, yeah, there, I mean, it's definitely something that should be invested in, I think. And I don't think you can force teams. I mean, I don't think you can force a team to say, hey, I know you're struggling with attendance regularly. I, Houston came to mind, but 
ironically, they do have a a women's team, and their their women's team is drawing four thousand four thousand fans. Um, North Carolina and uh, North Car- Carolina Courage. I've actually been down there visiting uh, our Doopy sister, um, a buddy of mine. I've actually seen Courage stuff on the streets a couple times. I've been down there. So they, it's, yeah, they have a good team. Yeah, and right. they they've got an affiliate in the USL. So it's it's just uh, yeah, it, it's a good idea to. Just, I feel like it's something that we always hear come up whenever we talk about. Um, I don't know, like like everyone's everyone's not not everyone's happy with like the stadium situation in Chester that we build like a, a new stadium in um in like in in more like in in like center like closer to Center City Philly to be like to make it a, a, a stadium that's fit for a men's team and a women's team and, and like two franchises are able to to, to fit you know, under this uh this like union umbrella that would be uh that'd be like so awesome to see and i'm i'm sure that would great think generate enough um interest and and, and support and i think it'd be it, it makes n- no sense not to do it i don't know i don't i don't see any much downfall in this i don't i i think our our women's team is show this this us women's team shows just how fun they are that like every, everyone should, everyone very good I exactly mean, everyone should want a piece of that yeah like they are marketable they are successful like why shouldn't we be attacking that kind of that market mm-hmm. and and those players i don't know it's just it's just i don't know it's something that i hope we hope we can see in the future sometime soon yeah and of course it's all going to come down to money and where money can go i mean can you afford to have another team when we know that union aren't being backed by the highest spending sure. owner. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I also think you could do a little bit with the, one of us was saying something about the training field, throw up a couple thousand seats around the training field. That might be able to be an option for a steel and a women's team where you can create an atmosphere without, you know, playing in front of, without playing in front of an empty stadium. Um, not as big of an investment, because you don't, I mean, you're not, you don't want to put a team, I wouldn't want to put the union in the link because you're not going to get a, an atmosphere there. Mm-hmm. It's going to be right. a, more empty seats than filled seats. So same thing with the steel, same thing with the women's team in Philly. Let's, let's create a place where you can have an atmosphere. Um, you don't need as much of a financial investment and then uh, hopefully, hopefully build from there and just looking, I mean, attendance numbers look decent in, in the U S uh, the European teams, a lot of them play in smaller stadiums, so they're not playing. Arsenal's team isn't playing in Emirates. They they have a smaller stadium that play, they play in, so that they can do that. And so that's that's what I'd hope to see in Philly, rather than uh, trying to push something that wouldn't be viable at first, and then building that way. Um. Yeah. So so it would be would be a cool cool thing to say. Nice. Uh, anything else you guys want to want to get into? Like we went pretty long with this one, so yeah, it's been over an hour so far. So this has been uh, completely my pleasure. I, I really <laughs> enjoyed, you know, uh, joining the likes of Charlie Leon as as your guests, uh, <laughs> list of guests. You know, not not ever ever have never will play for the union, just like just like Charlie, but. Thank you for uh, <laughs> having me uh, part of this experience. It's it's been 
life changing. Yeah, it's been a fun uh, family special. <laughs> family special. <laughs> if anyone else who has not played for the union would like to join the podcast at some point, you are more than welcome. Yeah. We, we like talking to other people. Um, <laughs> and and if you have played for the uh, the union and want to join the show, there's that, plenty of other podcasts. There's <laughs> <laughs> nah, man, join us too. It's cool too. Uh, but yeah, it was cool having another voice on the podcast. Yeah. Um, Hopefully, hopefully get out to Talon on Saturday. See the Union pick up a 3-0 win, the likes of two Andrew Vooten goals and one own goal. Or it might be something different, but probably not. Uh, yeah, it, it's been a fun, fun yeah, night. This is a good one. Thanks for listening, guys. This is AJ. And Luke. So and, Duke, and. And. Their dad. <laughs> Duke Brothers Podcast. See you guys. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you.